Lord Jesus, we are here because we need to hear your word spoken to us. And Lord, we ask that you use what you say all throughout Scripture to help us love the world the way you do. We ask this in your name. Amen. When my wife and I had uh, just started dating, she invited me over to her parents' house for Thanksgiving. And uh, as you know, my wife is Chinese-American. She doesn't speak Chinese, but her extended family does. My wife speaks what she calls Grandma Chinese. Any fr- she understands any phrase that a grandma might say to you over and over again. You know, like, I love you, or eat your vegetables, which in her family are the same two things. But anyway. <laughs> and at one point during the dinner, her whole family was speaking in Chinese. And occasionally they'd look over at me, and that would renew a whole new wave of talking in Chinese. And no idea what that was about. And occasionally, my wife would translate for me, but the problem was that they would be speaking three or four minutes in Chinese, and she'd take like five seconds to translate it all, leaving me with the impression that she was editing something out. (laughs) At one point, she leaned over and she said to me, I bet when you were a little boy, grown up in the sticks in eastern Washington, you never imagined having Thanksgiving with a bunch of Chinese people, did you? And I said, no, actually, I'd always imagine it looking more like this. And then she said, well, how do you feel about that? And I thought, well, is this a test? So I said, I love it. It's great. And I do. You see, until I was 15, I had never driven more than an hour away from my house. I had lived my entire life in the Tri-Cities. For me, the East Coast was Pasco. It was on the other side of the river. And really, there's only one way to describe a childhood like that. Boring. It is really, really boring over there. And as a result, I just love to travel around the world and see all the different things that God has made, all the different people. And so does God. Today is World Communion Sunday. Christians all over the world today are taking communion together on the same day as a reminder that the face of Christianity is not just white. Actually, that's the minority. The face of Christianity is also Latino, African and Asian, because God is a global God. And the scriptures we read today, taken from all over the Bible, tell us a couple of things about this global God that we worship. And the first is that God loves the whole world. When God calls Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a ton of descendants. I'm going to make you famous. And then the last promise is that Abraham and all of his descendants, the Israelites, are going to bless the whole earth. Because their privilege is to carry the good news about God to every nation. Now, they conveniently forgot that last part and sort of hoarded God to themselves. But God didn't give up. That's why he tells Jonah to go to Nineveh so the Ninevites could know him. But Jonah didn't want to go. Nineveh was a foreign country and Jonah didn't like foreign cultures. He thought his culture was the best there was. And besides, the Ninevites had their own God, and he had his, and what's the point of talking about his God? I mean, wouldn't that just be shoving his religion down someone else's throat? Sound familiar? On top of that, Jonah believed that if God was going to do anything with the Ninevites, he should wipe them out, not love them. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, located roughly where Iran is located today. And Assyria was the evil empire du jour back in Jonah's day. They conquered everyone around him, pursued a policy of genocide and ethnic cleansing. So if God was going to do anything with the Ninevites, he should blast them, not forgive them. 
But what God shows Jonah is that he loves the whole world, not just Israel. Centuries later, Jesus put it this way. For God so loved the world, the whole world that he gave his son. We see it again in the book of Revelation at the end of time. When every race, every tribe, tongue, nation assembles in heaven singing their praises to God. Just like today all over the world, people are praising God to the rhythms of African drums in Rwanda and Sudan, stringed instruments in Cambodia, shouting and dancing and clapping in Mexico, Guatemala, Haiti, kneeling reverently in Russia, rock and roll bands in Bach and everything in between. And all of those different people from over the past thousands of years will all be assembled in heaven And because we retain our ethnicity in heaven, I think we're all going to be singing our different songs. Which I just find fascinating, since what a lot of churches fight about is musical style, which kind of makes you think, are we going to be able to get along in heaven if we have to listen to each other's music, right? So so if ever we do music here that you don't like, just think of it this way. We're getting you ready for heaven. Thank us. Somehow it's it's all praise to God. Because God is that big, God's people are that diverse. And that thought, that God is a global God, is unique to the Bible. Because always before, and even still today, we tend to think that each culture has their own individual God. God for here, God for there. But the God revealed in Jesus created it all, he died for it all, and he loves the whole wide world. The second thing the Bible tells us is that God wants to remake this world. Jesus says, I make all things new, and that includes the world. You, know, you read throughout the Bible, and you, you get this picture of a God who is on a mission to make the world new, to remake the world. It starts with creation, where God, Father, Son, and Spirit, overflow the bounds of the Trinity and move out beyond themselves to create everything, everything that is. God moves beyond himself into, into the world because he's on a mission. Then he picks the Israelites to tell the whole world about him, and they don't do that. So eventually God continues his mission by coming himself in the person of Jesus. And then through the Holy Spirit, Jesus sends us, his church, out in the world to tell everyone about him. The movement of God is outward, not inward. Because God is on a mission to find people who've run away from him, to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, to put back together again what the devil has torn apart. In short, God is on a mission to reverse the effects of the fall. And he invites us to join him in his adventure, not by beating people over the head with our religion, but by serving people in his name. Back in the third century, there was a Roman emperor named Julian the Apostate. Got to wonder how his parents came up with that name, right? Let's call him the Apostate. That way kids won't make fun of him at school. Well, Mr. Apostate was alarmed that Christianity was growing so quickly. So he wrote to a pagan priest and he said, quote, it would be necessary for those who followed Roman religions to create hostels for immigrants and foundations for the poor because Christians have by such means won their present dominance. That is, the early Christians didn't force their religion on anybody. They simply participated with Jesus in the making new of all things. And what do you know? Suddenly folks wanted to be Christian. And one of the reasons I just love this church is because we're doing the same thing. You know, as you came in today, you might have noticed we're having a mission fair. In the narthex, the rotunda, the patio, all these different tables, and each one represents a way that we as a church are reaching out and serving in the name of Jesus, here locally as well as around the world. 
Things like Family Service Center, where we help, fam- help provide meals for families who are homeless. Or Sudan, where we're helping to set up learning centers for children in a country where children haven't been able to go to school for 20 years. The Jubilee Reach Center, which was the second circle of our Ripple Effect Capital campaign, is already up and running, offering before-school programs, ESL, all kinds of stuff for families in the Lake Hills neighborhood of Bellevue. And when we have more volunteers, we can do even more. In Rwanda, African Enterprise has already purchased the land for the Street Kids Center that we gave to them as part of our capital campaign. It even made the newspapers in Rwanda. And our name, First Press Bellevue, is all over that article. So y'all are famous now in Africa. And even when we serve locally, we're reaching the whole world because the whole world has come to us. There are 67 different languages spoken on the east side. And by showing those people Jesus through things like Kid Reach and Auto Angels, we're potentially showing Jesus to their friends back home. Last spring, I briefly told you about a woman from our church who has struck up a friendship with a Muslim family. But I didn't tell you the whole story. The whole story's better. This woman, I'll I'll call her Mary, is part of our home-to-home ministry, takes furniture donations, and then delivers them to needy families. Well, a while back, Mary was leaving the warehouse where we were storing the furniture. And just, by the way, we need a new warehouse, so if you can help with that. Shameless plug. Anyway, she turned around. And right in front of her was this family from Ethiopia. They just moved here. And the wife's mouth was bleeding. She'd had a dental appointment the day before and something went wrong and and her mouth had bled all night. They were lost. They were scared. They didn't speak very much English. But Mary finally figured out what was wrong and offered to drive them to the hospital. And she, she told me that she normally doesn't do that. She said, normally I'm afraid to do that sort of thing, but... She said, I knew God put him there for a reason, and you got one of those nudges, you just know it's the Holy Spirit, so I did it. She drove him to the hospital, and as she waited for them, as they were trying to find a dentist, she discovered that they didn't have any furniture. So a few days later, she and her daughter took some furniture to him, and this family invited them into their house, fed them, talked with them for a long time. And as they left, Mary's daughter said, do you realize what just happened? Even though they're Muslim and we're Christian, They treated us like we were queens. That doesn't happen very often. Then later they discovered that the father was going to community college to become a nurse, but that he didn't have reliable transportation. So Mary brought them here to our benevolence committee here at our church, which I didn't even know we had a benevolence committee. I've been here four years, so always discovering something new, which is kind of cool. Glad we have one. And they found this guy a car, and now one of the men from Auto Angels, the group that repairs cars for families in need, is teaching this Ethiopian man how to drive. And Mary says, now this family is interested in coming to church because they've seen Jesus by how we've served them. That is God making this world new, using us as a church to meet some families' needs, but more than that, in a world where what we as Christians face, how we're going to deal with the rise of Islam, how are we going to respond to that? Mary was making friends with this Muslim family and showing them the God that is revealed in Jesus. And when I asked Mary, well, what was your payoff in all this? What did you get out of this? She said, you know the answer to that question. You always get way more than you give in these things. Which brings me to my last point. God loves the whole world. God wants to remake this world. And finally, God wants to remake us through serving the world. Mary told me that her friendship with his family has changed her heart 180 degrees. She said, I used to think people in need should just work harder. 
But now I realize that some of them are working very hard, and for lots of reasons, they just can't get ahead. When we join God in his mission, we are changed. Our hearts grow, plus we get an adventure. That's what happens to Jonah. Right? Jonah gets to see a miracle. The Ninevites, they, they change their ways. They start following God. It's a miracle. Now, like a lot of us, Jonah didn't want that particular miracle, didn't want God to bless him that way. That's why he runs away. And he doesn't run away just a little bit either. Right? God says go to Nineveh, which is far east as you could go back then. And Jonah goes all the way to Spain, which is as far west as you could go. As far as east is from west, that's how far Jonah wanted to get away from God. But what Jonah didn't understand and what sometimes we don't understand is that God's invitation to partner with him in making all things new isn't meant to be a guilt thing or a duty thing or obligation or, or to make us miserable. It's part of how God remakes us. It expands our heart and it gives us joy. My dad has lived his entire life in eastern Washington, and I think he liked it about as much as I do. He grew up poor, and he never had a chance to travel. In fact, until he was 40, the most exciting thing he'd ever done was drive to Minnesota with my mother for their honeymoon. I mean, they didn't go any place in Minnesota. They just drove there and came back for their honeymoon, right? And to them, that was really exotic. I mean, that's how deprived we are over there. Minnesota becomes a destination. But in the last few years, he's given more of his life to Jesus, and as a result, he's gone to Albania, Mexico, Costa Rica, all kinds of places to serve with his church. Well, one of his neighbors is a Christian who has the spiritual gift of healing. This guy goes to the developing world and prays for the sick, and sometimes nothing happens, but sometimes there's a miraculous cure. Well, two Christmases ago, my dad and I were out walking off Christmas dinner, and we ran into this neighbor, and he said that he was going to go to the Philippines in February. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I just said, well, Dad, you should go. Later on that night, my dad brought it up again, and I said, well, Dad, you should go. So he prayed about it and went and talked to his pastor about it, and the pastor said, well, you should go. My dad noticed a reoccurring motif. (laughs) So with only three weeks' notice, he went and got himself a ticket to the Philippines. And after he'd been there for a few days, we got a call from my mom. And, of course, the first question out of my mouth was, has he seen a miracle yet? Right? Didn't even ask if he was okay. Right? Just the spiritual giant that I am. And he hadn't seen any miracles. But he was having the time of his life. He and his neighbor would arrive in a town. The neighbor would preach and then make my dad and a few other people go out into the crowd and put their hands on sick people and pray for them. And, And this was new to my dad. You don't do that sort of thing where we come from. And then they'd go on to the next town. Wouldn't even wait to see if there was a miracle. Because the neighbor said, we don't need to see it. This isn't about us. This is about what God's doing. My mom said that my dad was calling almost every night and that she has never seen him so excited. He'd talk a mile a minute and she couldn't get a word in edgewise. And he'd certainly never phoned home that many times before when he'd been away on any, any kind of trip. In fact, my mother pointed out that when my siblings and I were really young, my Dad spent his weekdays for a couple of summers in Ellensburg working on a master's degree. She noted with some irritation that he didn't call home very often then. She said, when I'm home stuck with three kids all summer, he doesn't call. But when he's halfway around the world and it's costing a fortune and I don't need his help and I'm trying to watch TV, he calls and talks for an hour, right? (laughs) And I'm going, Mom, TMI, too much information, right? 
Here's the point. My dad did not see a miracle in the Philippines. Sort of. Because I think the miracle was my dad, who has longed to see God in bigger and bigger ways his whole life, longed to travel and have adventures, longed to be part of something that's bigger than himself. My dad had a huge adventure because he was willing to take a risk and participate with Jesus in healing this world. And over the years, my dad has tried a lot of different things to find happiness. And now at 71 years old, he has never been closer to Christ. I think he's never been having more fun than he is right now, and I couldn't be more proud of him and my mom who supports him. They are being changed through being part of what God is doing in the world. So today as you leave, I just want to invite you to look at all of these tables all over the church, all the different ways that we as a church are partnering with God in remaking this world. And if you're not already involved in some way, ask yourself, am I running away from something like Jonah was? And then say to God, Lord, do you want me to be involved in any of these things? Because between here and the parking lot, there just might be something God wants to do with you today. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That is, God didn't just stay up there in heaven in his palace and say, y'all come. He went. And he invites us to be part of his mission, not to make us miserable, but because this is what gives us joy. This is what gives us life. This is what he designed us to do. To go out into a broken and hurting world with him and bind up what has been torn apart, reconcile what has been divided, heal what has been wounded, and reverse the effects of the fall. So that a world that does not know its creator will see Jesus in how he lives in us. Until that great day when from earth's wide bounds to ocean's farthest coast, Every tribe, tongue, and nation stands before his throne singing praises to the triune God of grace who has saved us in Jesus Christ. And we get to be a part of that making new of all things. I mean, how cool is that? Lord Jesus, thank you for your gracious invitation. And we pray that you would help us listen to you and respond to you. And Lord, when you call us, that we would respond so that we can be changed and so that you can use us to change even just a little part of the world. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.